to Random Ramblings, the official leadership arts podcast where we take a source of random inspiration to motivate and inspire your life to make a life that you absolutely love and is filled with purpose. A lot of what we do here at Leadership Arts. My name is Sam Smeltzer and I am the founder of Leadership Arts and CEO and very blessed to be your host for today's episode. And this episode is actually part two in a three-part series that we kicked off last week all about living beyond your means and healing that process. So if that's something that you've struggled with uh, and maybe it kind of picks up during this gift-giving holiday season that we are amidst, uh, this is this is for you and all about kind of starting to shift the perspective because it's definitely something that I have struggled with, something that I still struggle with, um, but I have come so far in that process and most of it is because I was able to shift my perspective using these simple exercises that I'm sharing with you this week. Now, when I say that I am still struggling, I mean that 110%. In fact, this past Friday, I had a little minor freak out. I was getting my hair done, and my hairstylist kind of made a nonchalant uh, comment about how she couldn't believe that Christmas was next week. And for some reason, in my mind, I'm so used to Christmas falling somewhere in the middle of the week that I assumed that I had like a week and a half. But as soon as I realized I only had one week left... Um, I was, I just kind of had this big built up of anxiety of, oh my gosh, there's so much that I want to get done. There's so much that I want to do before Christmas. And now I need to get it all done immediately. And that resulted in a mini kind of shopping spree, getting stuff for the people that I wanted to doing the gift giving. Um, and if you haven't listened to the podcast from last year about the great gift card debate and how I feel about gift cards and how they're kind of an ultimate last resort, I really try to take my time and find things that let people know what they mean to me. And so to do that, I have to do more so of this casual kind of shopping methodology. I can't really go in and just get what I know that I'm looking for because I don't know what I'm looking for. And that resulted in some higher price purchases, purchasing totals um, at some of these places. However, I can tell you that at the end, I was exhausted um, and was trying really hard to think if I was tired, if I was ashamed by the actions that I had done. Um, And it was a little mixture of both. I'm not going to say that I was 100%, oh, I got this and I was just tired and I don't want to spend money anymore because I'm not to that point. I'm also not to the place of um, I only go out and I only spend what I'm supposed to spend and I have it all under a budget. I'm not there either. I'm somewhere in between. I'm a lot farther than where I started, but I'm nowhere close or um, not even approaching my destination yet. So I definitely had a little bit of shame built in there, um, especially seeing the large dollar figures uh, and swiping the credit card. It wasn't a blissful feeling. It definitely was not an energy kind of high as to what I kind of mentioned in the first episode. Um, But it's, it's an entire process. And I think that sharing this series with you that I originally put out there in August but putting it back out right now is just so relevant, uh, hopefully for some of you, but so relevant for me because I needed this reminder because uh, this is definitely one of those things that I've been working on throughout 2016 and will be working on throughout 2017. 
So last week, we talked a little bit about uh, the first step in these exercises, or the first exercise was really about identifying what is around you and really focusing on the things that surround you and why they are there from physical objects to people. You know, the best way to do this exercise is to put yourself in different environments um, because eventually you want to get to a place where you're at a store and you can look at these things. You can look at your, your shopping cart and see what's in there and asking yourself, you know, um, why do those things matter you matter to you? And if they truly bring you joy, I mean, that first step is really something that I do routinely when I go shopping. Uh, it makes me kind of hit the pause button and think for a moment. This week is all about a very powerful question, which is why, which uh, for some reason in our culture, I believe that we just naturally avoid. We don't like to be challenged in the why arena of how we do things, why we do things, um, why we buy things, uh, the the why question uh, when we actually are asking it from a very purposeful and intentional place can be a very challenging question for a lot of people. So much so that, um, number one, it's a huge process improvement tool. So if you haven't done any process improvement in the professional world one of the big things that they're going to do is challenge why you do things the way that you do. I mean, think about if you work in any environment where you've ever heard the phrase, well, we just do that because that's the way it's always been done or because so-and-so does it that way. That's not truly getting to the reason as to why a process exists. And in process improvement, when they're bringing it back and taking it down, trying to identify the root cause for um, an error or an inefficiency or trying to identify if it's effective, they're really going to find out why a process is existing in the first place. Now, if you talk about it in a personal context, um, and I, I just did this with a client the other day, so when you talk about why do you do what you do every single day or why did you pick this career, we all have an answer that we give. Uh, I can call it uh, basically the cocktail hour why answer. So it's what we prepare in some aspect of our life through a series of situations where we know we have to be able to answer this question. Um, and it's kind of just like a spit out uh, pre-rehearsed uh, context. Then there is, if we are to dig a little bit deeper to find out exactly why those things resonate with us or why we ended up somewhere. And sometimes the why is not as pretty or passionate as what we want it to be. And that's why we hide it. It can be something as simple as it was a survival mode. I had to take care of my family. I had to take care of me. I had bills I had to pay. And this was the first place that called me and offered me a job. And then I never looked back. And now I've been there for 30 years. And that could be a very realistic why uh, that is there, but it also is the key to finding out why there might not be joy associated with that or why you might not be as passionate as your colleagues that are there because your root cause why, your deep down why as to the reason why you ended up there is very different than someone who you know, I dreamt about this in high school. I put it on my vision board. I went to school, found the best school that had the 
education or vocational school to prepare me for this job. Uh, I, you know, interned here and then I ended up here and that's why I'm here. And I love my job every single day, Uh, even when it's tough, even when it's hard, even when it's frustrating and I'm complaining about it. I know exactly why I'm here because I worked my butt, uh, my worked my butt off to get here because that's what I wanted. That's what I've always dreamed about. They're very two different paths. And they can all be brought to light by answering the question of why, uh, but we don't want to answer that. And I can tell you, I, I use this question a lot with clients. I can tell you that probably Gina uses a lot with clients when she does process improvement. And no matter how many times that we do it, you have to walk people through this process because we want to go so quickly to that surface level why and not get to that next level. So let me give you some examples about Um, because we're going to basically go through an exercise now of taking that list that you populated last week and really identifying why it matters. So identified what matters to you and what really matters to you. And now we're going to go one step deeper and actually attach the why to it. Um, And getting a why that is a little more, let's say, the meat and potatoes and not not like the appetizer dessert cocktail why. So let me give you two examples of how uh, this really plays out for me. One, I will do uh, a story that really kind of opened my eyes to why this exercise is so powerful. And then the second one I'll share is actually directly related to this whole concept and subject that we're talking about, which is living beyond my means, living beyond your means, and why this is all connected. So The first time that I really had to ask this question, why it matters, was when I started my journey through health and wellness really hardcore, probably about a year and a half ago, so 18 months, um, and really looking at my relationship with food. I had done diets, I had worked with nutritionists, I had just gone on plans and followed what they said. I knew that food, you know, eating better, the food, I felt better, I felt healthier, yet there were certain foods that I always went back to. And I started reading a lot about the relationships that people have with food. Um, And that's when I started asking myself, you know, why did these certain foods matter so much to me? Why did I feel like I could not let go of them? What was really about them that really brought me joy? You know, is it... Uh, And in this circumstance, it's donuts. But did a donut actually physically bring me joy or is there something more there? And donuts, I don't think it's a surprise to anybody who knows me, is something that I absolutely love. Um, I'm kind of a donut snob, if you want to say that. Um, I sometimes will give special requests for people to bring me back donuts. It's so bad that if there's a donut shop that opens up locally in the area, probably within a 50-mile radius, so a wide local area, um, I'm notified, I'm tagged on Facebook so that I know where they all are. If a donut shop relocates or closes, so we had one downtown um, that is relocating, and I wish we could find out where they are relocating because that day was a sad day. I got text messages immediately as those alerts went up. So I don't even have to dig for them. People kind of give me my donut updates. Um, And that's how much that I love donuts and how much it's been as a part of my life. And that even, and I'm not talking even just close friends and family. These are uh, people that I associate with that it just casually comes up and is that blatant that people know about it. So, um, 
this whole concept about donuts. And uh, a while ago, I had found out that I may potentially have a gluten sensitivity, that I my body functions a lot better without gluten. Donuts are gluten. Gluten-free donuts don't taste like donuts. So I really had to think about if I could give up donuts. Um, and this is why it took me on this path of really asking myself, what is it about a donut? Why does it matter to me so much that I won't let go of this piece of food? And um, as I asked myself and I thought back as to donuts and their significance in my life, the story that came out, the story that revealed itself is actually a, a childhood memory. And uh, I'm sure everybody has traditions. Everyone has them out there. One of which, when I was growing up, is that every Sunday we got donuts. Um, now, when we got a little bit older, sometimes it would change between breakfast and donuts. But pretty routinely for a consistent basis with my mother, I remember that the highlight was every Sunday we would go get donuts. So much so that... The local donut shop, Winchell's, which was walking distance from our house, when we would get there, we would always get a dozen donuts. My mom would automatically always populate the first four, which were glazed donuts. And the donut shop always had fresh glazed donuts waiting for us on Sunday mornings. And then we got to pick from the case. Um, And I remember that, I remember eating the donuts because they were yummy, um, but I just remember it always being a very happy memory um, and a very uh, a tradition that I always looked forward to. Um, and I think so much so that even when we moved uh, out here to Pennsylvania, I routinely was trying to push for donuts as well. But the donuts weren't the same. They were different kind of donut shops. It was not a Winchell's. It was a Maple's, which I like uh, I love maple donuts, but, you know, uh, East Coast kind of exposed me to all these different kind of donuts and my donut repertoire kind of has grown. But I think the reason why it has grown is because I was hunting for a donut that resembled Winchell's um, and could take me back to that kind of childhood memory. So much so that even when I went back out to L.A., I was... Googling and searching, looking for Winchell's locally, and we even drove... um, you know, when you follow your GPS, uh, where they say things exist, and then they don't actually exist. Maybe they did before at one point in time, but they weren't there. Um, and, luck- and luckily, eventually, my brother said, I have one by my house. I'll go get them. And he brought them to us. And, of course, they didn't taste the same. They tasted stale. And it was all associated with this this memory, this childhood memory, this joyful memory um, of moments that truly brought me joy. I cannot say that there was ever a time that we got up and went and got donuts and it was horrible and it was miserable. It was these happy moments of sharing time with my um, parents, with my brother, um, and just being together, eating donuts. Um, And I think that's why it has such a happy place for me, a good donut is this joyful experience. Um, so, so much more than just this, this little ring of dough with frosting and sprinkles. It's an entire experience for me. Um, and now that I understand that, I don't binge eat donuts anymore, but I appreciate when I do want a donut. 
and recognize that it is for the experience. And uh, I will tell you, a lot of the time now when we get donuts, it's with my girls. Um, I will ask them if they want to get donuts, and they'll say yes, and we'll go and pick out a few. We don't get a dozen anymore. And then we eat donuts together, and that's creating that childhood memory again. So uh, doing that really, truly revealed this concept of donuts and what they meant for me um, and really started to link that, you know, there's underlying root causes as to why we function the way that we do and why we are where we are. Uh, We just have to look deeper and find that out. So let's talk about this whole idea of living beyond your means and me living beyond my means and having to face that question of why, like, why does it matter? And for me, a lot of my spending habits were, um, name brands. (laughs) So designer handbags, designer clothes, um, pretty much anything designer. And then the next one was just having a beautiful home and having nice things in your home, but that could go back to the designer kind of piece. And, uh, you know, long story short, when you ask the why, I have a very lengthy, detailed history of being exposed from several people about the value that designer brands hold. Um, And the concept of a good bargain on a uh, on a designer brand and not letting it go like you have to have it. And it's very interesting to me because this is how I used to function. So I would obviously find something like um, a Kate Spade bag at a Home Goods, not Home Goods, a TJ Maxx store, and I couldn't let it go. Like if it was a good deal, and when you're saying good deal, it could be 25% off what you would normally pay at the store. But because it was 25% off, it was such a good deal that I couldn't let some of the, couldn't risk letting somebody else have it. Even though I may not really like the bag, it was more associated with this is a high-quality brand. This is a brand that people acknowledge that is nice, that is luxurious, and therefore I must have it because these are things that, um, that you have if you have a really good life. Um, and I think that's really what it was. Like if you were going to live a happy life... Um, a fulfilled life, your life was filled with these things. And that was me really translating money um, and what, how money plays a piece in happiness. Now, what's funny is I still see this happen. So there's people who do this routinely. So I will be at uh, a TJ Maxx or something and they'll be basically scanning through the bags, which is exactly what I used to do. Um, and they almost become territorial. They don't want you anywhere near uh, an area until they've scanned it first. You can see this at the outlets if you go there. A lot of people who get very territorial about the bags. Uh, it's all similar kind of things, but it has to do a lot with my relationship with money and how I put that into happiness. That if you have money, you have those bags. If you don't have money, then you don't have bags. If you have money, then you're happy, so you should have the bags. I mean, it was just all these really messed up equations that I had going on in my head. Um, and now it's not even about that. I've um, Now that I recognize why, you know, <laughs> those messed up equations that are out there, um, I've gone back to more so about the joy and the more substance kind of piece to it. So we can't just have that 
you know, why is this important to me? Because it's a designer handbag and that means I should have it because it's a luxurious item and that means that I'm happy or would be perceived to be happy. No, I want to push that further to where does it really bring me happy. So this bag is a Kelly Green bag, and it's out of leather, and I love the way that it smells, and it has a fantastic strap, and I can put everything in it, and it really just makes me happy every time that I look at it. That's the bag that I'm going to buy. And it really has shifted between, and I really did have issues with handbags. I had so many handbags. Um, you know, which ones I'm going to buy and which ones that I don't. In fact, this past weekend, I just cleaned out my closet again, and I literally went through and got rid of things that do not bring me joy. In fact, um, maybe even cause me pain looking at or make me uncomfortable wearing them. Those are not allowed. Um, And because I go through that process, it also helps challenge my entire process when I'm buying. So, like, I have a certain kind of length in the shoulder strap that I like to have for a handbag. Um, so I'll test those out. Uh, same thing with for my for my house, for my home. There's some things I just have to have uh, because they bring me so much joy, and now I know for sure that these are things that I have to bring. But then there's so many things that I don't like. There's things I can pick up and say, oh, this is cute, but I don't need that for my home. Uh, and I've done a really nice job, I believe, in and that balance at the office, at my home, uh, it feels joyful, it feels happy, it feels like a reflection of what I want to be and what I want to feel like, um, but not just a collection of everything that I think is nice or desirable or put in that messed up equation. It's got to have a deeper level. So, like, I love things that are pictures of animals. Um, I used to joke about that my house is kind of like a zoo via art. But I don't just take any animals. Every animal that is in my house that is pictured has some sort of significance. Um, So whether it is an elephant, and Madeline has a love for elephants. Uh, Some of my favorite memories of her as a child is her face lighting up when she would see an elephant. So we have a whole powder room that has a collection of elephants that are in there. Um, Minnie Mouse, uh, which is... Still an animal, but a character. Zoe loves Minnie Mouse, uh, and her face lights up. And Not so much anymore, but there was a period of time where she was so excited when she saw Minnie. Um, So we have Minnie, mostly in her room, but those exist there. Butterflies. um, So all these kinds of things. Turtles. Josh loves turtles. Um, So people walk around, and they love the feeling that the house has. But everything has a symbol. Cows, there's a gigantic picture of a cow in my kitchen, which I love and everybody else loves too. And I knew I had to have her. She was my birthday present to myself. And she didn't fit in three different vehicles. And finally, the assistant store manager had her husband drop it off at my house because I wanted this cow so badly. But I've also always loved pigs and cows growing up. And they have a special place in my heart. Um... In the room I'm recording in at the office, at the studio, if you were in the Work Love program, you may have seen it on the recordings, but there's a pig in here that I bought for the backdrop that I absolutely love. And uh, he makes me so happy just looking at him. So, you know, really having a reason behind it that's not superficially driven, but you have to really come to terms with the fact that you have some superficial reasons. And we all too. We all have top layers of reasoning that we hide behind because it's easy. Uh, none of us want to 
really dive any deeper. And sometimes it's painful too, because if those reasoning, those reasons can have some uh, tough memories they're associated with and be very difficult. So step two or the second exercise in this series is asking the question, why? And challenging yourself to move beyond a superficial reason or at least coming to terms that you have that superficial reason and knowing what it is because that is a huge feat in itself is if you know what that reason is and you can hear it crystal clear, that is going to help monumentally. But it helps even more so as you're organizing, cleaning out, um, shopping, uh, looking at your life, evaluating your life. If you can articulate why those things truly matter to you around you. So take some time, work on the list that you had created from last week, um, that you identified what's around you and what really matters, but now taking it through the why kind of process and really pushing yourself. And I also challenge you to keep expanding that list and taking it into different environments and then running that through the why process. This should not be all once and done. Yes, I think you should do it once and run it through with the whole three-part series with us so you can see how it plays out and how it feels and the things that you get from it and know that it works. But then take this as a tool set to help heal this process or any other process because it's so relevant to so many things. And that's why I wanted to share it with you. Um, I wanted to put it in direct context of something that I struggle with that I know many others still struggle with. Um, but then giving you the tool sets to really start to shift your perspective on so many things that we just don't take a moment to look at on a deeper scale. So um, with that, next week we will close out this series, uh, which is very appropriate as a conclusion after the holiday. So on December 26th at noon, you'll hear the final in that series. If you have any thoughts, feelings, wants, or needs, or questions, please feel free to share them using the form down below if you're on our website at leadership-arts.org. We call those TFWNs. Um, if you love what you're hearing on here and you want to share it, please share it via any social media channel using the buttons on the left-hand side of your page. Um, you can also leave us a review on iTunes. That's the best way to get us out there and moving us up in the iTunes community so people know that Random Ramblings exist. And most importantly, I just hope that this served you in some sort of way. And thank you so much for listening today. And I hope you have an incredible week, a wonderful holiday if you are celebrating this week, but Merry Christmas, um, happy, merry, anything that you celebrate. Um, just enjoy the season, enjoy the love, enjoy the joy. And I will talk to you next week. Bye.